This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed. Our hour of crime begins with Broadway Is My Beat this week. We'll hear the May 1st, 1949 episode titled The Mary Murdoch Murder Case. After that, it's Sherlock Holmes and the Adventure of the Three Garadebs. That episode aired May 9th, 1949. A quick reminder while you're listening, if you visit donate.relicradio.com and help support this and all of the Relic Radio shows, I greatly appreciate it. Your support keeps us going free and advertising-free as it has for 15 years. And thanks again to those who have helped out. Now, here's Broadway is my beat. Broadway's My Beat with Anthony Ross as Detective Danny Clover. Broadway's My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. That's the street I walk, but today trouble is waiting for me in the squad room of the 47th Street Station House. Lieutenant Clover? That's me. Well, they Danny told me Clover. I'll, told me out front I'd find you here. You've got to help me. Sure, sure. Hey, by those tags on your shoulders, I see you two fellas are in New York for a convention. <laughs> What's your trouble? Well, you see, I've never been in the big city before, and, well, I've heard about things like this happening, but... I never thought it would happen to me. A girl is trying to blackmail me. Blackmail? That's right. Now, now there's nothing to it, but if my wife finds out about hey, it... Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute, young fellow. Now, uh, make me acquainted with you first, and then we'll listen to your trouble. Oh, my name's Peter Daly. I- I'm stopping at the Cleveland Hotel. Exactly two hours, my wife arrives in New York... Hold on, and... now. Hold on. Where are you from? You sound like Kansas. No, Arkansas. Uh, close enough. Who's this gent with you here? I'm his friend, Lieutenant. The uh, name is Ben Cotton. Uh, Pete asked me to come up here to the station with him, uh, sort of uh, moral support, poor devil. He... Ah, you from his hometown? Uh, yes, sir, Little Rock. We're partners in our little business out there. We've been in New York a week now, Pete and I, attending a convention. Oh, boys, boys. When will you out of towners learn how to relax in New York without getting into trouble? <laughs> you attend a convention, you gotta go unconventional. Oh, sir, I, I don't even know that girl. She's a stranger to me. Huh? Well, then I don't get it. I don't get it. Just what did happen? Well, a lot of the boys, after yesterday's convention session, went down to the hi-hat club and... Well, I'm standing at the bar, Lieutenant, having a drink. Minding my own business. The bar was pretty crowded, and this red-headed girl takes a place next to me and asks for a light. And I give it Mm, to her. Lesson one. When a strange girl asks you for a light, zip your wallet. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. What then? Well, a little while later, the... Nightclub photographer passes by, and this redhead stops her and says to her she'd like her picture taken, right there against the bar. And just as the photographer is about to snap her picture, this redhead takes my arm with a laugh to include me, you see, and, well, I was feeling pretty good, so to enter into the fun of the thing... Hello, sucker, she must have been saying under her breath. So, now you both listen to the burden. Yeah, and when I got back to my hotel, I thought nothing more about it. This morning, I got a phone call. From the redhead? That's right. Oh, uh, she'd sell you the picture for a price or show it to your wife, huh? That's right. Why, she wanted $500. I don't have money like that. How'd she know you were married? Well, Lieutenant, I never told her I was married. Hardly said a word to her. What? 
Well, then how did she well, I don't know. Why, she even knew my wife was arriving in New York at two today. Uh, can you beat that, Lieutenant? Go on, go on, David. Well, she told me over the phone that unless I came across with the money, she'd mail that picture to my wife today. So what'd you tell her? Well, I told her I wouldn't give her a cent. Why should I pay her? Look, Lieutenant, believe me, I- I'm a happily married man, and I haven't done anything wrong, but what'll my wife think if she gets that picture? Daly, what's the name of that redhead and where does she live? Well, I don't know that. She didn't tell me. Well, then how did she expect you to get to her with the dough? Well, she said if I was agreeable, she'd tell me where I could leave the money, and she'd later leave the picture in the same place. But I told her nothing doing. I'd go to the police first. Then she hung up. Well, you did the right thing by coming to the police. Well, but if she sends that picture to my wife, my wife's an understanding woman, Lieutenant, but after all, it... Oh, if I could get my hands on that girl, I swear I'd kill her. Hey, I... hey, hey, go now, on, Pete, go boy. on. Pick up your wife at the station, Daly, and relax. I'll drop into the hi-hat club, see if that redheaded is known over there, and, uh, and Daly, <laughs> make sure your wife puts you on a leash. Yeah, Sergeant, what's up? Look it all over for you, Lieutenant. <laughs> Broadway Towers. Detective Dom, Tom Donnelly's already up there. Apartment 5E. Some dame there. Found dead, Lieutenant. Looks like murder. How do you like that? Just when I was staring up at the skyscrapers wishing I was a pigeon. <laughs> all right, let's go, sir. Broadway Towers. Who is she, Tom? Name Rita Rondell, Danny. According to the building superintendent. Redhead, huh? Yeah. Fractured skull. Mm. Body was discovered by the super, hmm? Yeah. No witnesses. No one seen entering or leaving. Hey, look over that back room, Sarge. Right, Lieutenant. So you found off the phone off the hook, Tom? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like the whole scuffle was over that phone. Yeah. Hey, what's this written on a calendar here, Danny? Bobo, 1 p.m. Yeah, let me see. Bobo. <laughs> Could be some guy. Ask around the stem, Tom. Any characters named Bobo. Okay. You say Doc places a death about 110. Right. Well, whoever a visitor was, boy, they had quite a tussle. Hey, Danny, look here. I found some photographs hidden in the bottom of this drawer. Take a look. Hmm? Well, what do you know? What's the matter, Danny? Hey. You remember that nice guy, Daly, from Little Rock, came in the station house this noon about a blackmailing redhead? Yeah? Yeah, this is him, with Rita Rondell, taken against the bar at the hi-hat club. Look. Yeah. yeah how about uh, that, huh? This must have been the dame who was trying to shake him down, and this this is the frame-up picture she meant to sock him with. Yeah, so this is the redhead. <laughs> and me, <laughs> I'm looking all over for her. Open and shut. Remember? He said he'd like to kill her? Never can tell. He didn't look that man. Ah, well. Like I always say, share, share, motive, and you got your man. Shall I bring him in? Hey, hold your horses, Tom. There's no evidence he had anything to do with this, but I better drop in on him and have a little chat and question him, huh? Yeah, yeah. Anything else turns up, let me know. And check Bobo. Right. I'll keep in touch. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor Daly. I feel sorry for him. And with a wife just arrived in town. Tom, this is going to be a heartbreaker. Especially if the little lady from Arkansas answers the door. Hey, 
Jane. Just a moment. Mrs. Daling? Yes? Uh, is your husband in? Why, yes. He's just lying down for a bit. Who shall I say? Uh, Mrs. Daly, I'm Lieutenant... Well, here's an old Artie. We forgot our, our appointment, fella. Huh? Oh, darling, I want you to meet Art Smith. He was my lieutenant, third airborne. <laughs> the old dog. Imagine meeting him at the convention after all these oh, years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Smith, just imagine. You two must be thrilled. I guess New York's a place one meets all... Be right with you, Art. I just put on my jacket. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll wait. Uh, how do you like the little missus, all right? Oh, just fine. <laughs> Pleased to meet you, ma'am. Step on it, Pete, huh? Uh, uh, it won't, won't take a minute, all right? Why? Where are you boys off to? Oh, uh, Cookie, I forgot to tell you, I promised Art I'd have a, a cup of coffee with him. You know, catch up on the old gang. Uh, he, he leaves for Cincinnati in a little while. Uh... Mrs. Daly, does your husband often go to conventions alone? Oh, heavens no. This is the first time we've ever been separated in the three years we've been married. Oh, I see. Ben Cotton, his partner, was going too, so there was nothing to worry about. Besides, I know that Peter wouldn't even look at anyone else. Oh, let's go, Art. <laughs> All right, Peter. Let's go down to that coffee shop and have that little chat. <laughs> Yeah, we can talk right here in the lobby. Yeah, okay. That's one sweet wife, Billy. Yeah, you can say that again. You can see why I didn't want to let on you were a police officer. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Well, Lieutenant Clover, did you ask in that nightclub like you promised to find out if anyone knows that red-headed blackmailer? She hasn't sent that picture yet. You wouldn't be kidding me, mister, would you? What do you mean? When did you see her last, this, this Rita Rondell? Oh, is that her name? You found that out. Well, why, last night at that bar. You didn't go to her apartment today? At one o'clock, say? You know, son, if you're on the level with me, I'd, I'd be about the happiest guy on earth. What do you mean, Lieutenant? If I'm on the level. What's up? Rita's dead, son. Dead? Mm-hmm. We found that picture you were talking about in her apartment. What happened? Oh, there was a scuffle from the look of the place, and... She fell against something in the struggle and fractured a skull. Probably accidental, but there'll be a manslaughter rap for somebody. My gosh. Well, who do you suppose? Daily, right now, I don't have any idea, but my men are going over that apartment inch by inch, police routine. I'll get a report just as soon as I call headquarters, but before I put in that call, were you or were you not in Rita Rondell's apartment? No. Well, I told you before, I didn't even know where she lived. Good, good. Come on, now let's walk over here to the phone. I'll call headquarters. If nothing else turned up, you can go back upstairs to your wife. Well, yeah, she'll think it's funny, my leaving her to talk with you so soon after she gets to New York. <laughs> yeah, you wait outside the booth, will you? I'll only be a minute. Clover, Sergeant, anything turn up on the Rondell Dame's place? Uh-huh. Yeah, I see you. No, you didn't. There's nothing else, huh? Out where? Oh, then he... I see. Thanks, Sergeant. 
Ellie, where's your hat? My hat? Your hat. Well, I, I must have left it up in my room. Shall we go up and see? Well, I'm not sure. Maybe I lost it. That's right. You lost it at Rita Rondell's apartment. What are you driving at, Clover? It was found on her fire escape. As your initial. Well, lots of people ha- have initials. Okay. Then let your wife identify it. No! No, no, I'll leave my wife out of it. I'll, I'll tell you where I lost it. Come to think of it, I, I remember now. Yeah, yeah, at that bar last night where I met her. That's right, I I missed it when I got back to the hotel. So so, so either that girl or, or someone else picked it up and... Well, maybe that explains how... Brother, you killed me. You were wearing that hat in the station house this noon. I'm sorry, Daly. I'll have to take you to headquarters. I'm charging you with manslaughter. You're listening to Broadway's My Beat. We'll continue in just a minute, but first, Sunday nights on CBS are famous for their top comedy with Jack Benny, Amos and Andy, and the other great comedians, for the splendid drama that Helen Hayes brings each week, and for the appearance of one of the greatest detectives in modern times, Sam Spade, created by Dashiell Hammett. Sam Spade's approach to crime detection has now become the pattern for many another sleuth. But none so well combines the hard-boiled view toward a fast dollar, the down-to-earth appreciation of a well-formed ankle, and the readiness with a wisecrack. A bestseller in the fiction field, Sam Spade's Adventures on the Air, now among the top-rating mystery shows. You will find here tonight and every Sunday night on most of these same stations, Sam Spade, ready for rough-and-tumble action and a battle of wits in the best Dashiell Hammett tradition. And now back to the 16th Precinct and Detective Danny Clover. Why, this is awful. Look, Lieutenant, I'm from Daly's hometown and I've known him for years. Why, he, he couldn't have had anything to do with this. Mr. Cotton, I, uh, yeah, I know you're Daly's friend and I, I know how you feel. I simply phoned you, seeing as you're a friend of the family... To notify Mrs. Daly of her husband's arrest. Yes, of course. Well, she wasn't in her room when I stepped by, so I rushed down here as fast as I could. Those two are so much in love, Lieutenant. I I, I just don't have the heart to tell her. Mm. Any luck this time, Tom? Nah. Try to persuade Daly again, but no soap, Danny. See, Mr. Cotton, we, well, we offered to allow your friend a few minutes to call his wife. Tell her himself about his arrest, but... He says he can't do it. Yeah, that's right, Mr. Cotton. Says it'd kill him to tell her. Why don't you tell her? Oh, she's such a sweet kid. She's going to take this awful hard. You see, in a way, I feel kind of responsible for this uh, being here with Ben. I I just don't believe I could face her. Tom? Unless it's an order, Lieutenant. I'd rather be included out. Okay. I guess a policeman's job can include almost anything. Uh, I'll get over there right now. Oh, uh, oh, Tom, come here a minute. Yes, Lieutenant. Yeah, Danny? You didn't find any guy anywhere named Bobo. No Bobo. No Bobo. All right, then, that's that. Okay, fellas, I'm on my way. Oh, believe me, this is going to be tough. Breaking the bad news to the little lady from Arkansas. Peter. 
Peter, I... Oh, why, it's you, Mr. Smith. Where'd you two boys get lost? Where's Peter? Isn't he with you? Uh, well, uh, no. Uh, no, Mrs. Daly. Uh, say, let's go inside. I, I want to talk to you. But I, I don't understand, Mr. Smith. Where is Pete? Well, the fact is, Mrs. Daly... Where, for is goodness sake? Well, I mean, the fact is, Mrs. Daly, I'm, I'm not... I looked uh, downstairs for you two and couldn't find you anywhere. Now you come back alone and... Do tell me, you frightened me. Has something happened to him? Mr. Smith, I thought you had to catch oh, a train. Well, now, you see, that's just what I wanted to explain, Mrs. Daly. I... Oh, I get it now. You went to a bar instead of the coffee shop, so you missed your train and he... <laughs> oh, Mr. Smith, why didn't you say so in the first place? <laughs> you had me so worried. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Ma'am, Where is he? I, I... Is he in bad shape? Well, you he... just bring him back here, no matter what condition he's in, and I'll take care of him. Maybe some coffee would help. Do you hear me, Mr. Smith? Mr. Smith? Mrs. Daly, I'm not Mr. Smith. What? You're not? I, it was all just an act. I'm sorry. I mean, your husband called me that when I came in before, and, well, I played along. An act? What in heaven's name are you talking about? And who are you? Detective Lieutenant Danny Clover, ma'am, of the 16th Precinct. Your husband... Oh. oh, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Here, let me help you. Hey, perhaps, perhaps you better sit down. No, I'm all right. Please go on. Something happened to him. An accident or something. Is he hurt oh, badly? Oh, no, no, he isn't hurt. Oh, that's good. Uh, ma'am, uh, your husband is under arrest. Under arrest? Peter? Nonsense, what for? Well, you see, it, uh, well, it dates back to before you arrived, uh, naturally. You see, last night he got into a jam at a nightclub. A jam? I mean, that is, uh, th there was a girl at the bar next to a him. A girl? Oh, oh, don't get me wrong there, ma'am, in, in that respect, I assure you, but it's, it's something else that happened, and, uh, Oh, now, Mrs. Daly, let me tell you the whole story from the beginning. He wouldn't do anything. No, but please don't get me wrong, ma'am. I you mean he got mixed up with a girl, but he couldn't. Oh, no, no, it's not that. There was this red-headed... Red? <laughs> oh, now, wait a minute. Wait. Oh, I'm no good at this sort of thing, Mrs. Daly. Go on. Well, look, it was all a framed-up thing. Your husband came up to the station this morning and then told us the whole thing. Your husband was blackmailed. Blackmailed? But you said he was framed. Yeah, well, as far as the red... I mean, the girl is concerned, there's nothing to it. Oh, of course, I should have known. He was framed with a picture taken at a bar, and, well, to protect you, to keep you from seeing that picture. Well, oh, he... well, a picture. What would I have cared about an old picture? But then there's nothing to it. Everything's all right. But you said Peter was arrested. Well, you see, ma'am, the keep you from seeing that picture. I figure maybe he went up to that girl's room and uh, there was a little fight or a struggle or something and this girl fell. Oh, she's hurt. She's dead. Dead? She's dead? Oh, no, he didn't mean to, to uh, well, it's a charge we call manslaughter. Manslaughter? He didn't, he couldn't have killed anyone. Does he say he didn't? Yes, ma'am. He denies he was even in her apartment, but you see, there's some evidence. Then I that... believe him. And you've got to believe him, Lieutenant. My husband's never told a lie in his life. He's incapable of lying. Ask anyone in Little Rock where he's loved and respected and they'll tell you. But, Mrs. Daly, the evidence I don't shows care what that... evidence you say you've got. His word's good enough for well, me. Look, Mrs. Daly... And I'll I... tell you something else, sir. If he was guilty, he'd have told me so. 
In our whole married life, he's never held back one single little thing. Lieutenant, my husband didn't kill that girl. And if he says so, he was never even up in her apartment. Well, ma'am, I'm glad to hear you talk like that. I was pretty sore your husband was holding out on me, but maybe there's a chance he was telling the truth. Could be he was framed again. I'll go back and have another talk with him. I'll be praying, Lieutenant. Yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Daly. You do that. Danny? Danny, Peter Daly's confessed. Confess? Oh, no. I just visited him again in his cell with his friend, Mr. Cotton, here. Dined if Daly no, didn't no, say... Wait, 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 wait a minute, Detective Donnelly. Peter did not confess, uh, at least not to killing that girl. He just admitted that he went up to her apartment and he saw her lying with her head in the kitchenette against a milk bottle. She was already dead. That's an old one, Danny, you know. She was already dead. Lieutenant, you've got to believe him. I'll tell you what. I think I'll have a talk with him myself. Hello, Danny. They told you, Lieutenant Clover? Yeah. Yeah, so you were holding out on me. You were in that Rondell Dane's apartment. Oh, I... I was afraid to admit. You know, you should have told me everything right from the beginning. Well, after I left here this morning, I stopped back at the hotel and she called me again. Said she'd settled for $25. So I figured it'd be worth that much to get the thing over with. I didn't tell you about it because I... Oh, I was afraid it'd get in the paper. <laughs> It'll make the papers now all right. Go on. Well, she gave me her address. I went up there, and the door was partly open. Mm -hmm. I didn't go in, but I could see through the open door. And she was lying on the floor. When you were talking to Donnelly and your friend just now, are you you told them she was lying with her head in the kitchenette. Oh, no, I couldn't see her head. Oh, I see. Then what'd you do? Well, then I heard someone coming. I got scared. So I ran down the fire escape. Mm -hmm. Oh, please believe me, Lieutenant. Poor Joan, she, she comes to New York for once in her life, and this has to happen. Daly, how long have you known this Polly of yours? Uh, uh, what's his name? Cotton? Yeah. Oh, way back from school days. How does he get along with your wife? Oh, fine. Oh, you see, Lieutenant, he... Well, he and Joan were sort of engaged at one time. Before I met her, that is. Naturally, when Joan and I fell in love... Oh, well, so that's the way it goes, huh? Uh, did he marry someone else? No. Ben's still a bachelor. Still a bachelor, huh? What's so strange about that? Well, what do you know? Lieutenant Clover, you back again? This is the third time today. What gives? Uh... Like this, like that. Hey, a couple of perfectos, lover. Did you come in here to see me, or uh, did I see you keeping an open eye on that gentleman from 305 that just got on the elevator? Hey, you know him? Shouldn't I? He smokes cigars. Uh, his name's Ben Cotton from Little Rock. I think I'll go up and have a word. Mm -hmm. Give uh, Bobo my best. You know, for an out-of-towner, the tips he hands out. Oh. Bobo, did you say? Yeah, Bobo. You know how it is at these conventions, uh. the nicknames you pick up. I've heard some good ones, but Bobo, that kills me. Everyone around here calls him that. Oh, thanks, Sally. Thanks a lot. Thanks for what? Oh, nothing, lover. I'll be seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Lieutenant Clover. What's the matter, Mr. Cotton? You going somewhere? Uh, why, uh, what do you... I see your suitcase is all packed there on the bed. Oh, uh, yes, Lieutenant. Yeah, I'm going back home. Bobo. Uh, hmm? A note on Rita Rondell's calendar. Probably expecting some guy named Bobo at one o'clock. You know any Bobo? Why, uh, well, that, uh, happens to be sort of a nickname of mine. I picked it up here at the convention. Why? Well, you said you didn't even know the girl. You know the inside of Rita's apartment better than Peter did, Bobo. He didn't tell you her head was against a milk bottle. Oh, I never no, said... No, you arranged for Rita to bump into Peter like at that nightclub. Get a picture taken with him. And then she was to send it to his wife. I'll tell you why you arranged it, too. You were in love with his wife. You wanted her to think the worst, maybe, and throw him over for you. Come on, come on, come clean, Bobo. All right, all right. I was up to that double-crossing redhead's apartment, but but I didn't mean to kill her. Let's have the story. Well, I I told her yesterday I'd give her a hundred dollars if she could manage to get her picture taken with him and send it to his wife. Oh, and then Miss Rita pulled a fast one, asked daily for five hundred dollars for it. Yeah, that's right. Oh. But when Peter went to the police about it, uh, I got scared. So you went up to her apartment today at one? Huh? Yes, I did to make her call the whole thing off. And she demanded from you the price she was asking from Peter, 500 That's right. And when I refused... She threatened to expose you to your friend Daly. Began to phone him at his hotel. Yes, yes, that's just the way it happened. I, I struggled with her for the phone. I gave her a push and she fell. But I, I, I swear, Lieutenant, it was an accident. Ah, so that's that. <laughs> well, okay, Lieutenant, I'm ready to go to jail. But I, I, I don't know what got into me. Trying to do something like that to my best friend. Mm, the old triangle, huh? Well, you see, I, I've been in love with Joan for a long time. Longer than Peter. But he came along and she married him and... Well, ever since, I've been hoping and waiting for a chance... Chance to break them up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I didn't mean to go so far. I, uh, once I got into it... You got into it all right. Yeah, I guess I've been a real number one heel, huh? Mister, that's the greatest understatement since... Ah... Come on. Oh, Bob. That's us, Joan. All right, Peter. Lieutenant Clover, I... I don't know how to... Oh, we'll never be able to thank you for all you've done. Oh, right? skip it, Arkansas. Hey, just promise me one thing, will you? What's that? Well, I mean, you've come to New York... Uh... This is the first time for both of you, isn't it? That's right. Uh, you've had a pretty rough time. You've got one impression of New York, the wrong one. Come back and give it another whirl, will you? That's a promise. <laughs> I want to see you both again, you know. So you know, mister, I don't often meet somebody like you. Why, the faith, the, the trust you have in your husband is... Oh, you see, Lieutenant. We're in love. It's getting late now. A million lights have gone out. But I, I'm thinking about people. On Broadway, in Arkansas, good, bad. They get into trouble here like everywhere else. Only maybe here it's just a little bit easier. On the gorgeous, the most violent. 
the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway. My beat. Columbia has just brought you Broadway's My Beat with Anthony Ross as Detective Danny Clover. Gene Carson was Sally. John Forsythe was Tom. Today's broadcast was written by Joseph Rusko and produced and directed by John Dietz. The musical score was composed and conducted by Robert Stringer. This is Byrne Bennett speaking. In just a moment, CBS begins the presentation of its ten great Sunday evening entertainments. In order tonight, you'll hear Barbara Stanwyck starring on the Prudential Hour, followed by the unsurpassed comedy of Ozzie and Harriet, Jack Benny, and Amos and Andy in succession. Sam Spade takes over next, and then on to Lum and Abner's delightful Jotham Down store in Pine Ridge, Arkansas. Then from Pine Ridge to England, as the First Lady of Broadway, Helen Hayes, brings you Noel Coward's famous motion picture, Brief Encounter. A solid hour and a half of laughs follow with Eve Arden as the ardent schoolmistress, our Miss Brooks, with J. Carol Nash as Luigi, and the little Italian immigrant, and with the geniuses on It Pays to Be Ignorant. They'll all be heard on most of these same CBS stations, with Jack Benny, of course, coming to you on all of them. So start your stay-tuned Sunday evening with CBS now, as Barbara Stanwyck stars on the Prudential Hour. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and more than 1,200 leading retail stores from coast to coast present Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's immortal character, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley. This week's story, The Adventure of the Three Garadamps. Shall I pull up the blinds, let some sunlight into this awful room, Holmes? No, Watson, we must have complete darkness. Skulls on the table, horrifying in these shadows. The ancient crumbling bones. Every sight here, every sound speaks of death. Quiet, Watson, listen. The front door's opening. I thought we were to be alone. No, I'm expecting someone. Who? A professional murderer, Watson. Unless I'm very much mistaken, this is he coming through that front door. Got a ready? Ready. Now, Watson. If you want to look your best this summer, take no chances on the kind of suit you buy for warm weather wear. Be sure it's light and cool, but be doubly sure that it's so smartly tailored, so perfectly fitted, that you never look heat-crumpled. Only expert tailoring can assure that. The kind of master tailoring you get in fine Clippercraft suits. And they don't cost you a lot of money. You can buy a Clippercraft summer suit of tropical weight for as little as $33.75 to $42.50. And for that moderate price, you get a suit that will be envied by men who usually pay more, much more. You save all that money through the unique Clippercraft plan 
whereby more than 1,200 independent merchants from coast to coast pool their tremendous buying power, you get the benefit. A Clippercraft spring and summer suit will help you face the summer with the confidence that goes with perfect grooming. Dr. Watson, your memoir tonight is entitled The Adventure of the Three Garadevs. Well, what in the world is a Garadev? Well, that's a gentleman's name, Mr. Harris. And the peculiarity of the name Mr. Harris has a great deal to do with our story. Holmes once said about this story that he didn't think in all our explorations of human complexities we had ever come upon anything more singular. It was January 1895. On Waterloo Road, at a gaming club, two men were playing cards. No, you don't, Evans. That's not the card you buried in the deck. It certainly is, Prescott. You didn't show the six of clubs. You showed the four of diamonds. I've been playing blackjack too long to be careless about such details. I said I showed the four... You're a rotten, double-dealing faker. Why, you cheap, dirty mouth You must have been cheating all along. I want my money back, every bit of it. And I want it now. Also, help me, I'll break your neck. You know I played fair. You just want your money because you can't stand loose. Give me that money. I'll give you this. So you carry a gun, Prescott, huh? Well, if you like fireworks... Following that exchange of shots, Roger Prescott died. And his gambling partner, Killer Evans, who'd been quicker at the draw, served six years in prison. It was a short sentence because he proved Prescott drew a revolver first and that he had shot in self-defense. After his term was over, Evans disappeared into the dim, fog-bound world of men released from prison. One morning in late June of 1902, I was present when Holmes had an odd visitor at the flat on Baker Street. It was this first seemingly pleasant visit that was to lead us to the discovery of a great crime. Mr. Holmes, pray sit down, sir. You are, of course, Mr. John Garadev. Uh, may I present my colleague, Dr. Watson? How do you do, sir? Garadev? As for your problem, sir, your friend, Mr. Nathan Garadev, has already invited me to be of assistance. Yes, so he told me. That's why I've come. Nathan Garadev? And you're John Garadev? Uh, brothers, perhaps, eh? No, they're not brothers, Watson. No doubt John here will explain it concerns this document in my hand. Oh, Nathan sent that, did he? He did, but with precious little explanation. If we might have a clear account from you in the presence of, of Watson, certainly we usually work together. Well, years ago in the United States, there was a man named Alexander Garadev. A third Garadev? Really, I'm rather confused about it. <laughs> it's simple, Doctor. Alexander Garadev made his money in real estate. He bought land along the Arkansas River. He became fabulously wealthy, but he'd no relatives. And... He developed a strange mental quirk. Which was? Well, he took a kind of pride in the queerness of his name. Garadev. I, I had a law practice then in Topeka, and there we met. I imagine he took a liking to you, since your name was also Garadev. Exactly, Mr. Holmes. His pet fad seemed to be to find out if there were any other Garadevs in the world. In fact, when he died, he left a very queer will. The document I have in my hand. That's it. You see, his property was divided into three parts. I was to have one. Provided two other Garadevs were found to share the remainder. Well, is it a considerable sum? Five million dollars to each man. Fantastic. Yes. And since the sum was so gigantic, I set aside my practice to find two more gentlemen named Garadev. There isn't one in the United States, so I tried England. 
And here in London, you found a Mr. Nathan Garadet, my client, two days ago, at 136 Little Ryder Street. I located him with the London Telephone Directory. Well, you're very fortunate. Does he have relatives? No, none. And the will states that all three Garadets must be adult males. Hmm. Whimsical, eh, Watson? Mr. Garadet, have you tried advertising in the agony columns of the newspapers? Yes, I have. No replies. It's a most curious little problem. Oh, by the way, you mentioned having come from Topeka. I had a correspondent there once, oh. dead now, old Dr. Lysander Starr, who was mayor in 1890. Oh, yes, a wonderful chap. I knew him intimately. Really? intimately. Uh, well, Mr. Holmes, we must find a third man named Garadev somewhere in the globe, or lose millions. We depend upon you, sir, as well you may. I shall communicate any new development to you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Well, Watson, I haven't indulged in such a conversation for a long, long time. What do you mean? I mean that everything Mr. John Garadeb said here in this flat just now was a lie. What? Every word a lie. What? A brightly coloured camouflage, Watson. Very deceiving. But underneath it, I wonder what hideous crime. Bless it all, Holmes. I've, I've permitted you to smoke your pipe and meditate long enough. Hmm. Your faculty of keeping silent at the proper moment, my dear Watson, is one of the most impressive recommendations as a companion. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, tell me, why did you say John Garadeb died? His English coat was frayed at the elbow and his trousers bagged at the knee with a year's wear. And yet he claims to be a provincial American recently landed in London. Aha! Uh -huh. He placed no advertisements in the agony columns. You know I miss nothing there. Yes, do go on now. There isn't any Dr. Starr in Topeka. I invented the old conjurer. I see. But John claimed to have been his close friend. Precisely. Touch our Mr. John Garadeb where you will. He's false. How do we arrive at the truth, Holmes? By visiting the other Garadeb, Nathan, at Little Ryder Street, as quickly as a carriage will take us. This is Nathan Garadeb's residence, Watson. Yes, I'll ring, Holmes. Hmm, we begin on firm ground. Nathan Garadeb is indeed this gentleman's real name. How could you know that, Holmes, before we've even met him? Observe, Watson, the brass nameplate by the door, especially its discoloured surface, up some years. Oh, yes, of course, now that you've pointed out. Yes, what is it? Mr. Nathan Garadeb, I am Sherlock Holmes. This is my friend, Dr. Watson. Oh, do come in, gentlemen. Thank you. This way, gentlemen, this way. Hmm, fascinating room, sir. Do you find it so? <laughs> I'm very proud of my collection. This incredible number of cupboards and cabinets. Uh, that's my butterfly collection where you're standing, Doctor. In this case, gentlemen, my ancient coins. In that cabinet, the skulls of prehistoric men, flint instruments, early weapons. Uh, uh, they say I've never seen so singular a collection. <laughs> my doctor lectures me about never going out... <laughs> But why should I, when there's so much to hold me here? You never go out? Very seldom, Mr. Holmes. I'm not too strong. My research is very absorbing. You may well imagine what a terrific shock. Pleasant, but terrific it was, when I learned of the will of my good fortune. If we find just one more man named Gary Deb, each of us receives five million dollars. Yes, have you any specific plans for spending the money? Oh, I shall spend it enriching my collection. Tell me, when did John Garadeb first speak to you? Uh, last Tuesday. 
Did he ask for money? No. Do you know of any ulterior motive he might have? None. You told him we were coming here today. I did. Holmes, what are you driving at? Have you any articles of great value in this collection? Oh, it's a good collection, but not very valuable. I see. How long have you been in these rooms? Oh, nearly five years. Ah. Now I see. You imagine I'm not mentally well. You see my collections, my fossils, bones, my skulls, my dusty room. You're suspicious. You picture me as a child locked forever in a room with his toys. That is what you two gentlemen are thinking. I know. And you're saying to yourselves, he's insane. What's he up to? Is he scheming with this John Gerideb? Why, does every sight and every sound in this room speak of death? Here's a friendly message from the fine independent merchants who serve you with Clippercraft clothes. They say, come in soon and have first choice of their outstanding summer suits. Come in soon before the sudden heat wave creates a buying rush. They want to give you the very best in service, in selection, and in alterations that may be necessary. They want your new Clippercraft suit to be an advertisement of your good judgment in clothes. And you certainly display good judgment when you buy from the fine local store that sells famous Clippercraft suits at only $45. The exceptional quality of Clippercraft clothes is guaranteed by the Clippercraft label in every suit and sport jacket. The trademark derived from the staunch clipper ships that established honest New England quality everywhere in the world. You can always rely on Clippercraft clothes and the store that proudly sells them. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes bearing the Clippercraft label. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, sport jackets, and tropicals. In Manhattan, Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th, John Wanamaker's Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. In Brooklyn, Abram and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. Dr. Watson, Dr. Watson, you and Mr. Holmes were visiting old Mr. Nathan Garadeb at his very frightening rooms. Yes, Mr. Harris. And Gerardeb had a wild gleam in his eye as he ranted on about himself and about how suspicious he thought we were. You've exaggerated our viewpoint, Nathan Gerardeb. Have I? I hope so. I hope you trust me. Naturally, I'm a gentle and very innocent, rather exhausted old man. Now, who might that be? I have it. I have it, I have it. Well, Mr. John Garadab, eh? Mr. Holmes, I've found the third man. Have you really? I hoped you'd be here, Mr. Holmes. To Watson, to hear the good news. Look, where is the third man? Who is he? How'd you find him? This newspaper. May I examine it? Five million dollars. Each of us collects five million dollars. What's in that newspaper? May, may I see? I've made inquiries in Birmingham. My agent there sent me this advertisement from a local paper. Read it. Let me see. Howard Garadab. Constructor of agricultural machinery, binders, plows, farmers' carts, buckboards, other appliances. Estimates for artesian wells. Apply Grosvenor Buildings, Aston. You see? Another man named Garrett. Glorious! 
glorious. I am rich. My collection will be the most magnificent in all history. Now, now we must, we must see this thing through. I've written to this Howard Garadeb and told him that you, Nathan, will see him at his office in Birmingham tomorrow afternoon. You want me to see him, John? Well, uh, wouldn't it be wise, Mr. Holmes? I'm, I'm sort of, well, uh, really a nondescript American, but Nathan here is a Britisher with solid references. Uh, look here, Nathan. All you must do is see the man, explain about the will, and get an affidavit of his existence. Oh, dear. I must leave this room. I haven't been out in years. Yes, but uh, you can be at Birmingham in a little over two hours, and I could follow you if there's any trouble. I'm not used to travel. I just know my room. The world outside is another world. I, I'd be confused, afraid. I would urge you to go, Mr. Nathan. You would, Mr. Holmes? But the poor chap is elderly and infirm, Holmes. I believe the journey might be good for him, eh, John Garadam? Oh, without a doubt. Look here, Nathan. I've come all the way from America, so... Well, it's little enough to ask you to go a hundred miles so as we might collect five million dollars. Will you go to Birmingham, Mr. Nathan? Yes, I'll go. Fine, fine, fine. I'll uh, call tomorrow and see you after Birmingham. Good night, gentlemen. A joyful good night. Mr. Canadep. Yes, Mr. Holmes? I should like to examine your collection more closely. I could take you around now if you have time. Unfortunately, I have not. But while you're away tomorrow, would you object to my visiting these quarters? Oh, not at all. Mrs. Saunders in the basement will let you in with her key. Excellent. Oh, by the way, who is your house agent? His house agent, Holmes? Holloway and Steele in the Edgware Road. Uh, but why? I was wondering if this house was uh, Queen Anne or Georgian. Oh, Georgian, beyond doubt. Really? I should have thought it a little earlier. However, goodbye, Mr. Garadeb, and may you have every success in Birmingham. Thank you, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson. Goodbye. Goodbye, sir. Well, it's astonishing they found the third man for the will, eh, Holmes? Is it, Watson? Did you notice nothing curious about the advertisement John Garadeb showed us in that newspaper? Jove, yes, I did. The word plow was misspelled. Yes, P-L-O-W, but we spell it P-L-O-U-G-H. It was bad English, but good American. Then the buckboards. That is American also. And artesian wells are commoner with them than with us. It's a typical American advertisement, but supposedly from an English firm. What do you make of that? Well, the same liar, this John Garadeb, inserted the advertisement himself. Yes, but then, then there isn't any Howard Garadeb in Birmingham at all. Quite. Nathan's off on a futile trip, Holmes. Precisely. I permitted him to go ahead, though. Deliberately. But why? Why, Holmes? You'll see, Watson. You'll see. Holmes, where were you all morning? I must warn you, Watson, I have more information. It points to an even greater menace than I thought. If you don't wish to continue... I shall see this through at your side, Holmes. Very well. I have identified this John Garadeb. Who is it? He is Killer Evans of sinister and murderous reputation. Killer Evans? Yes, I've seen Lestrade at Scotland Yard. I found this John Garadeb's face in the rogues gallery. He's a native of Chicago, shot three men in the States. He escaped through political influence. Came to London in 1893, shot a fourth man over cards in a gaming club at Waterloo Road in January 1895. A bloodthirsty man. The man he killed at the gaming club was a Roger Prescott. Yes? I've also been to the house agents, Watson. Nathan Garadeb's weird quarters were occupied before, by him, by a man who answers the late Prescott's description. I see. John Garadeb murdered the man who once lived in Nathan's quarters. And, and the next link? Take this revolver, Watson. This afternoon, as I arranged with Nathan Garadeb, we shall ask his housekeeper to admit us to his room. 
There, Watson, we shall learn the terrible secret of the three Garadets. Shall I pull up the blinds? Allow some sunlight in, Holmes? This room of Nathan's is so dark. No, Watson. Skulls. Horrifying shadows. Ancient crumbling bones. This whole place, you know, so musty as the air of a graveyard. Why have you told me to be quiet? Why don't you look about? Because I'm expecting someone. Who? John Garadev, alias Killer Evans. Well, well, how do you know he'll come? Why should he? Watson, the whole of this story about the three Garadevs, the will, the five million they'd inherit, is an invention. An invention of the killers. An invention? Yes. There isn't any Alexander Garadev who died and left such a will? There is not. John has woven his plot with remarkable cunning. But what did he want? That is what we're here to find out. There's nothing whatever to do with Nathan. This will was a device to send Nathan to Birmingham. John required such a device. Nathan was a fanatic about never leaving this room. But what's in this room? At first, I thought Nathan might have something valuable in his collection, something worth the attention of a criminal like John. The fact that Prescott, the gambler, lived here years ago points to a deeper reason. Wait, hear that? Yes, it's a key. Someone's at the front door. Quickly, let's hide behind that cupboard at the end of the room. Yes, right you are. Revolver ready. Yes, ready. Shh. Front door's opening. It's John Garrett. Yes. Push the table to one side. Pull back the carpet. Now he's using a tool to pry up the boards of the floor. He's lit a candle. Holmes, there's a trap door under that carpet. Leads to something below there. Get it, it's going down. Now Watson will seize him. Pleasant to see you again, Mr. Garadev. Holmes! If you look just behind you, you'll see that my revolver is pointed directly at your head. I believe it might be more accurate were we to dispense with your fictitious name and address you as Killer Evans. Well, I I guess you've been too much for me, Holmes, eh? Has played me for a sucker from the very beginning. I've got to hand it to you. Of course, I've looked into the business end of a revolver before, and what I always do is... I have him, Watson. Stuck him with my pistol. You hurt? No, it's, it's nothing. It was just a mere scratch. Look, look down there, Holmes. Through the trap door, beneath this room. There's machinery, papers, and bottles. Stacks of money there. Yes, Watson. A printing press. This is a counterfeiter's outfit. Just a moment. John is trying to speak. There's blood pouring over his face. He's trying to speak. That's, that's stuff down here. That belonged to the greatest counterfeiter London ever saw. To Roger Prescott. No living man could tell a Prescott note from a bank of England. Prescott, the man you killed in the gambling duel. Yes. Let's make a deal. Those bundles of money. Prescott made them. They're perfect. Fit to pass anywhere. Worth a fortune. Take them, take them. Let, let, let me beat it. Not a bit of it. We're turning you over to Scotland Yard. I was the only one who knew where Prescott made the notes. Oh, my. I had to get Nathan Garrett him out. That crazy bug hunter with a queer name living here on top of this, never knowing it. Dreaming of all the money in the world. When it was right beneath the dirty floorboards, he walked on all night. Take, take the money. Let me go, please. I've done nothing. Please. Aside from a charge of attempted murder, sir, I'm quite sure that Scotland Yard has a formidable list of other subjects to uh, discuss with you. 
Please give the yard a call, Watson. Yes, sir. Tell them we have our prisoner, John Garideb of Chicago. There's some doubt as to their familiarity with the name. And tell them the name of his captor, Sherlock Holmes of Baker Street. About the impact of that name, there's no doubt at all. Well, Dr. Watson, what became of Nathan Garadet? Well, Mr. Harris, he never got over the shock of his broken dreams. When his castle in the air tumbled down, it buried him beneath the ruins. He was last heard of at a uh, nursing home in Brixton. And uh, Killer Evans, Doctor? Well, the bird was returned to his roost at the penitentiary. I'm sure, Doctor, you have an equally thrilling adventure planned for us next week. A breathtaking adventure it is indeed, Mr. Harris. I have given it the title, The Adventure of the Grey Passion. It concerns a Derby favorite, a broken roof, and a trail of peculiar footprints. The makers of Clipper Craft Clothes and more than 1,200 stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the program is produced and directed by Basil Lochran. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by George Spelvin. This week's story was written by Howard Merrill, with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Adventure of the Gray Pasha. Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Clothes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. That's Case Closed for this week. Hope you enjoyed today's episodes. You can find more from Sherlock Holmes, Broadway Is My Beat, this podcast, and all the other Relic Radio shows at relicradio.com. We've got a shoutcast stream there as well. Lots to listen to, all for free. Thanks again to those who support Relic Radio, and thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. <laughs>